Good morning. Good morning. Wow, that was great. Thanks. Welcome to worship at Northminster this morning on this very hot summer day. We're hoping and praying for, for some relief soon, aren't we? Whether you're here in person in our sanctuary this morning or joining us over our YouTube channel, we're just so happy that you're all with us today. And we hope that you'll participate in all aspects of our service. Uh, and if you're visiting with us in person, that includes communion. This is Christ's table open to all, and we, uh, you, you can find instructions in your order of worship or just follow the person in front of you, and hopefully they know what, what they're doing. Our first gift to God, as we say most Sundays, is the gift of our presence, our being here uh, on this morning. So to indicate your presence today, if you take the uh, uh, attendance registers that you'll find there in the hymn book holders on the inside aisle, on the chairs in the inside aisle, and complete those. And as, as Pastor Gillian often says, if you could write legibly so that uh, the church staff can decipher uh, who's here, and we would appreciate that. And we promise we'll not show up on your doorstep, uh, but we do like to keep up with, with, with who's here. As many of you know, Pastor Jillian and first husband Eric are on vacation, or were on vacation this past week, and will be returning to Monroe today. Uh, and we hope that they had a restful time away, and we pray for traveling mercies for them today as they return. And she'll be back in the office tomorrow and back in worship with us next Sunday. And as always, we're happy to have Dr. Debbie Chandler here uh, this morning filling the pulpit and otherwise being our worship leader today. Thank you, Debbie. As usual, children, please come up uh, for the children's message on the last verse of the opening hymn. And Ms. Beth will be presenting the children's message today in the absence of Pastor Jill. Please remember that our mission trunk emphasis this month is the Washtenaw Council on Aging Food Pantry. Uh, and please see the insert in the order of worship for the much needed food items uh, that, that, that the Washtenaw Council on Aging needs. And please help out by, when you go to the grocery store, uh, pick, out, pick up some of those items and just bring and drop them into the, uh, the mission's trunk and they will be greatly appreciated by the, the folks who, who need those. And please stay after worship today for a time of, a uh, good time of fellowship and as we all enjoy some light refreshments. And when I last looked, no one had signed up for next week or any of the weeks after the, ah, okay, uh, Anita has signed up. Thank you, Anita. But uh, there's still an opportunity for anyone to, uh, to help with that, and uh, if you'd be willing to take that responsibility, there's a sign-up sheet. We love sign-up sheets at Northminster, as you know. There's a sign-up sheet uh, on, the, on the table in the hall uh, outside Pastor Jillian's office. Um, Beth asked me to let you know that the youth are updating their uh, room in our educational space, and it really needs some updating. And if you would like to help, there is a link to the Amazon, their Amazon wish list on Northminster's Facebook page. So if that's something you'd be interested in doing, please check that out. We're so thankful to Peggy Kasky, and I don't see Peggy this morning, but Peggy, if you're out there uh, watching this morning, thank you for 
the beautiful uh, flowers this morning on the, uh, uh, on the chancel table. As you will see in your order of worship, these are given in celebration of the birth of Catherine Merrill Schmidt, who's the daughter of Mary Elizabeth Ingram, who grew up here in, at Northminster Schmidt, and her husband, Patrick, and the granddaughter of Beth Ingram, great-granddaughter of Dibble McLaughlin, and niece of Patty Pate. And Beth is in New Orleans today, so she won't be able to get flowers, but Beth is going, but uh, uh, Patty is going to get some flowers for Dibble at least. So if you'd give Patty a chance to do that before you come up and get your flowers, it would be appreciated. But then it's a free for all as always, uh, help, help yourself. So, uh, and as always, please review the insert in the order of worship for other uh, announcements and opportunities or check out our newsletter. And as Pastor Jillian always says, let's take a deep breath and let it out. And as we do that, let's attempt to center ourselves and put aside all of those things that might interfere with our time together as we worship God. Good morning. Good morning. Let's share our call to worship together. We gather here in anticipation. Who comes among us when we least expect it. Who loves us as we are. And calls us each by name. Let us worship God together.
morning. Oh, there it is. Got a fancy microphone this time. I don't like it. So, school starts for a lot of you this week. And with school comes rules, right? Do you have to follow a lot of rules at school? That rhymed. Well, I have a story to read you about rules. A story about what Jesus said about rules. And the grown-ups are going to hear this story in the gospel reading. But I'm going to read it from this special children's Bible. And we've got a picture here of Jesus and some other people. Let me read you this story. Sometimes it seems like there are so many rules, it's often hard to know which ones are most important. In Jesus' time, people argued about which rule was most important to God. One of the elders, bent over with age and wisdom, heard Jesus teaching his followers. The elder thought to himself, hmm, this guy acts like he knows what he's talking about. The elder leaned on his cane and scratched at his white hair and said, you seem very wise. Tell me, what is the most important rule of all? Well, this is what Jesus said. He said there are two. The first is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Yes, the greatest gift we can offer God is to love him and love his children. So I have a question about that. It's pretty easy to know, okay, let's love God, right? But what about loving your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? What does the word neighbor make you think about? What, Camden? Someone who lives right next to you. So that's easy. We only have to love the people that live right next to us, right? Yes, Ellery? Sometimes you see them outside, maybe working in their yard. So that's not so hard, right? We only have to love the people that live right next to us. Does that sound like something Jesus would say? It does. Well, I have another story that tells us a little more about who our neighbor is. All right. Jesus said, all you need to remember is to love God and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. But who is my neighbor, someone asked. Jesus told a story to explain. Now, Jesus liked to tell stories to explain things, right? He didn't just answer the question. He had to give a story. He said, one day a Jewish man was robbed and wounded and left lying in the road. A little while later, a priest walked by, but he pretended he didn't see him. Soon after, another man came by. He worked at the temple, but he didn't stop either. At last, a Samaritan came down the road. His people were enemies of the Jews, but the Samaritan stopped. He got off his donkey and gently bandaged the man's wounds. Then he put him on the donkey and walked beside him to the nearest inn. He put him to bed and took care of him. Now, which of these people was a good neighbor? That one, the Samaritan, that's right. You are all part of the same family, God's family. God wants you to be like him, loving and kind to everyone, even your enemies. So is your neighbor, do we have to just love the people that live next door to us? 
Maybe we need to be kind and love the people who are different from us. Yeah. And even people who are far away are our neighbors, right? So if we love God and we love people as much as we love ourselves, are we still going to make mistakes? Sometimes, yeah. I have one more thought about that. If you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, but you don't love yourself very much, are you going to treat that neighbor well? No, I think God's also telling us it's important for you to love yourself too, right? And when you know, love your neighbor like you love yourself, what are you going to do if your neighbor is hungry? What would you do if you were hungry? You would eat, so you'd feed them. What about if you're tired, what do you do? You rest. What do you do if your neighbor's tired? Yeah, you, well, you help take care of them, right? So you want to take care of the, your neighbor, not just the person next door, but all of God's family, just like you would take care of yourself. So think about that when you go back to school this week. When you're trying to follow the rules, think about my teacher is my neighbor, the other students are my neighbors, uh, the custodians that take care of the building are also my neighbors, and sometimes it might be easier to follow the rules if you think about caring for those people the way you care for yourself, okay? Okay, let's turn around and say our prayer. Turn around, Ricky. Okay, say it nice and loud. I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. And I am blessed to be with you. Oh, holy child of God. All right, y'all have a good week.
a reading from 1 Thessalonians. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak, not to please mortals, but to please God, who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed. Nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. A word from Paul to the Thessalonians. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Our spirit, the very breath that we take, fill us this moment like we have never experienced before. We gather here in this place out of devotion, out of habit, maybe out of our life teaching to be here. And our next breath is because of you. And we think of those this moment who do not have the freedom to share like this. We think of those who suffer to even try. We do not know them by name, but by the love of Christ that we share. We share their pain as our neighbor. Let us see their faces in our mind's eye. Let us hold out our hands and let us clasp theirs, even our neighbors who are strangers. We also have our loved ones we picture who need our prayer. They need a special peace a comfort, a hope, assurance of your love this very moment for many different reasons. And we know it is that love that we do not understand because it is the love that passes our human understanding. So Lord, how do we pray? Will you guide us on and guide our hearts and our minds through this service at this moment where we have found ourselves being? We open our thoughts as we all need to, and may we feel each other beside us and in front of us and behind us. Let us know that there's a lot of joys and we share them, 
hurts and sorrows and we share them. A lot of anxieties and worries and fear and we share them. We're there as a stronghold leaning on your everlasting arms. So hold us up, dear God. Let us feel strength as a church, as neighbors, as friends, as Christ gives us this peace and this power and will give it to us if we ask to face tomorrow. Lord, we have chosen for whatever reason to be here today. May we find comfort in being together and for having made that choice. May strength and love embrace us all as we share this prayerful moment together. And all the people said, Amen. Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, 
which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. scriptures ahead of time and planning that children's message to uh, introduce. Please tell me you, you went that far and you planned that. Yeah, 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 of course you did. Recycling God's grace. I find that just to be human, I really seem to need a dose of church every now and again, I don't know about you. I was thinking, how many years have I gotten a paycheck to go to church? You don't want to know. <laughs> but I was in my teens, so it's been 20 years or so. <laughs> I need some sort of otherworldly point of reference at church and to be here and to go as many times as some of us have gone in our lives. And one of my favorite novelists, Pulitzer Prize winner John Updike, went on to state all church services have this wonderful element, people with other things to do get up on Sunday morning they put on their good clothes and assemble out of nothing but faith. Maybe guilt a little bit, but out of faith. He didn't say that. Some lean towards something much larger. Simply as a human gathering, I find it moving, he says, reassuring and even inspiring. Now, some of us, well, not after I was in my teens, but we were guilted into it. I don't know about you, but sometimes we were guilted into it. Get up, get dressed. It's Sunday. It's time for church. I used to wake up every Sunday morning to Jubilee, Jubilee. You know, anybody remember that on, te on television? I knew you would, Gail. As I've pondered what Updike assessed, I marveled again at the miracle of faith and worship. Week after week, people choose to come into sanctuaries like this instead of going elsewhere. Granted that we come for a variety of reasons and motivations, but the fact is that you and I are here, 
and we are not somewhere else. But perhaps too simply, many of us come hoping to hear some good news amidst all the awful, awful news. Walking down the street, when you meet someone and you have a conversation, usually something not so happy comes up these days in our conversation, and especially reading the paper or turning on the television. We do need some other point of reference other than our own little lives. We lean towards something larger than our routines and our work schedules. We often assemble out of nothing but faith. And even that faith is a gift from our God. And according to Updike, the act of assembling out of nothing but faith is necessary just to be human. There is something reassuring and even inspiring about two or three or more coming together seeking some sort of otherworldly point of reference. I want to suggest three words that describe that particular and peculiar frame of reference. The first word we need to hear today, just to be human, is God. Paul Shearer, a famous preacher of an earlier generation, used to say, if the minister mentioned from the pulpit only the word God as the sermon, that would be enough to last the congregation for several weeks. And I imagine a lot of you would like for a lot of preachers just to walk up here and say God and say, see you later. <laughs> Our gospel lesson describes Jesus reminding his listeners of the great and first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the Matthew gospel. I used to have trouble with that verse. Maybe I still do. We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart. Well, does that leave any heart for anything else? I mean, that's my simplistic little mind. With all our soul. Okay, what does that mean? Love God with all your soul. Think about it a second. Right? With all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind. We have other things to think about. We have jobs to do. We have things to teach our children. And So what does that mean? I'm not going to try to figure it out for you. Because I'm still puzzled by it. But I know it's great. I know it's huge. And I know where to seek it. I think, that's, I think that's fair, that we seek to search for God with all our heart and to search for God in all of our soul and in all of our mind. Our otherworldly point of reference is that God and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Sarah and Miriam and Mary and you name more, 
people that ascended, ascended, assembled together to hear a word about the living God, just like we do. God who created us as persons who can never be separated from this God, from this power, from this spirit. Especially if we're seeking with our soul, our heart, and our mind. Now the second word we need to hear today just to be human is love. You knew that was going to be one of them. We love God because we have first been loved. But in order to remain human as persons created in the image of God, we need to know that we are accepted as we are. A definition I like of Christian love is agape, or agape as another word for Christian love. Without desire to control other people or to be thanked by other people or even to enjoy the process, that's Christian love. You enjoy being there for someone else. In a society where competition and commiseration provide primary motivation for everything we do, from selling hairspray and deodorants at the store, to finding success, it is no wonder that people often feel manipulated instead of loved. The biblical idea of love means that God is worth our worship. And God is worth our praise simply because the creator is. The creator is. The creator is. And the creator is love. If we would walk in the ways of this God, then we who follow Christ are commanded to love as he showed us how to love. The early Christian church believed that this way of loving involved sharing time together, sharing our talents and our possessions with one another. Paul, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, wrote, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become dear to us. You became dear to us, and we share with you Christ's love. Jesus reminded us in this second great commandment is like the first. We shall love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We love ourselves not because we're worthy or that we're perfect or that you're all pretty. We love ourselves simply because we exist and we're God's. If we walk in the ways of God's love, then we are to love and accept our neighbor, neighbor as we do ourselves. In a sense, our neighbor is one of God's gifts to us. 
Yes, even the stranger we meet walking down the street. God's gift to us, set down beside us in order that we might care for and share with others. This Christ taught us that. With God's gift of love comes the demand that we love our neighbor. This is where the rub and the reward come in. Whenever we are enabled to love our neighbor as ourselves, a miracle has occurred. A miracle has occurred when we find out that we can love our neighbor, whether we've ever seen their face before or not. And our neighbors across the other parts of the world that will never see their faces. They are a neighbor. The third word we need to hear today, just to be human, is one of my favorite words in all of words. And it was Welton Gaddy's as well. Just to be human, that word is grace. When love gives itself it becomes grace. When love gives itself, it becomes grace. Grace is that marvelous love of God that gives itself without limits and without boundaries. It means that God accepts the unacceptable and loves the unlovable. As a friend of mine in North Carolina put it one time, grace means that God grades on a curve. <laughs> and that curve is big enough to include us all. God's gift of grace goes to the foreigner and friend alike. We did not read one of the Old Testament lessons, but it's, it was from Ruth. Ruth, a foreigner in a strange land, a poor widow who was dependent upon the kindness of strangers for food as she sought permission to pick up just what was left in the harvesting fields. She was amazed that Boaz, the owner of the farm, spoke kindly to her and even addressed her as daughter. Why should you take notice of me, a foreigner, a stranger? She asked the surprised, the surprised Ruth asked. Boaz mentioned her loyalty to her mother-in-law and then con concluded by saying, the Lord recompense you for what you've done and a full reward is given to you by the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Overcome with gratitude, Rachel replied, you have been most gracious to me. You have given me comfort and you've spoken kindly to me. That's what most of us need to get through this week, comfort and kindness from someone who cared enough to be gracious. Often it is from one 
whom we expect little or nothing. It is the nature of God's grace to come to us from unexpected places and from persons who didn't owe us a thing. We are recipients of this grace given to Ruth for her great-grandson was King David, and she is mentioned in the family tree of Jesus as recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Strange are the ways of God, even including this woman, this girl, in the plan of salvation for the world, the family of King David. Just to be human, we need to remember that since Someone like Ruth was crucial to the drama of redemption. Even so, the eternal can use you and me. Of such are the miracles of God's grace. All of us here have received gifts of God's grace. Some of us, like Ruth, have asked why. I've been going through some medical issues some of you know about, so I ask for your prayers. But I have two neighbors across the street. I have many neighbors, but I have felt their grace in the last couple of weeks. One walked over with, I, I live in kind of an older home off Pargu, so the bell, uh, doorbells don't work. And there's a lot of doors. They brought me a do doorbell where it rings my phone and I can see who's standing there and had it installed. Handed it to me. You need a doorbell. And you need to know who's out there. And then I got a package in the mail yesterday from one of the same friends. They had, again, gone together financially. And they say, since you shake and your daughter told us she has to grab the key and unlock the door sometime, we're, we are giving you a keypad and having it installed. Now that's, that's, that's serving your neighbor. That's thinking beyond yourself. And that's just being, that's being Christ. So we ask why, because deep down we know we do not deserve such grace. Is there anything we can do to show our appreciation for these gifts of God? Worship is one of them, and we're doing it now. And it's our gratitude to God. But as Jesus reminds us, we are to love our neighbor as God told us to love ourselves. The question is whether or not we want to be part of it, be part of the process of demonstrating what it means just to be human in the way that Jesus lived, we too should live. We do this when we care enough to share comfort and kindness with one another especially those who don't 
anticipate it. They would not expect that from us for nothing. I know people who would not expect me to pick up a paper that they dropped in the floor and hand it back to them. They go, you did that? Yeah, I know people who love me that much. As I thought about this past week and thought about God, love, and grace, these words took on a new meaning for me. I, I've, I've known this little poem for, for quite some time, being a Presbyterian for 100 years. It's by David Still. Some basic rules define the source of pleasant social while traveling on life's course. When friends share cookies or chips or dates, I don't think they mean the kind of date that went through your head, shared dates, we return, we do not return an empty plate, but send it back all nicely spread with slices of hot bread. And peaks of proper social training reminds us as we're entertaining to see what we do not forget. The people owed a dinner debt. So social bonds are smooth and flat when glued with careful tit for tat. But when it comes to heaven's grace, our tit for tat seems out of place. How few of us command the wealth to pay God back for kids and health, for love, compassion, friends, and talents. Our ledgers wholly outweigh the balance. We can't pay back the Lord above for all God's countless gifts of love. God's love comes to us a trust. And when we understand, and we must, Find someone else by dusk or dawn who needs that love and pass it on. The Lord is in the temple. Enter into God's recycling center. To whom we will extend an unexpected comfort and kindness in a real and gracious way by doing some we shall be obeying the first and second commandments and also demonstrating them. Demonstrating what is necessary for people of faith just to be human. God, love, and grace just to be human. Thank you for listening. And may God's name be praised.
scholars for four years-ish. She graduated. I hate when they do that. Um, she starts teaching middle school music and elementary music tomorrow. I smile because I don't have to. <laughs> so she's going to be filling in like this uh, from time to time, and we've asked her to stay on and to, to do just that. She will enter grad school if she survives the year, I understand. <laughs> we also welcome Leanne Hammonds, who is, uh, um, you were a music major, you still should be, but you are a? Psychology major. Oh, you're going to be trying to figure out why we do stuff. <laughs> but if you've been to some of the shows uh, at ULM, she's been one of the uh, leads in so many. Um, so she is a wonderful alto and uh, a wonderful person. Uh, so we welcome you as our new alto uh, choral scholar. Of course, we have Preston Anderson back, thank goodness. Our, our tenor section loves it when Preston's there. And he's back for another year or so or five. <laughs> I'm just going to fail some of these. And then James Wright, we, he, he was here with us all summer because uh, he lives here as does Naomi. Um, our soprano, Sarah Talmadge, is in uh, Sound of Today band camp right now. So uh, she's out there sweating to the goldies, I guess. Uh, but she's, she's back in town because our school starts in one week and they have band camp all week. So thank you for singing with us to the rest of you too, of course. But uh, I just wanted to point them out and tell you how proud I am of you, Naomi. And she joined the church a couple of weeks ago. So we got her. <laughs> now we come to the Lord's table and share this time because it is not our table. So please, we welcome our guest because Christ is your host. We do this Sunday after Sunday and I just wanna say, we're gonna make this very simple. But I do wanna ask as I've asked before Find a way to make it special today. Find a way. Think of love. Think of grace. Think of God. Find a way that that bread tastes just a little differently today. That this cup tastes just a little sweeter today as it goes down. Find about, at least think about it. And as they say about prayer, even just thinking about it is praying. So just think about it. Would you join me first in the prayer that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven,
the bread. Christ took it. You know the words. Broke it. And gave it to his friends, the ones who have stood by him, the ones who are wondering what is going on. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you get together, remember me as you break the bread. And likewise, he took the cup and he poured it and he passed it around after he took a sip. He said, when you are together, after you take the bread, pour the wine and sip it, each one of you, and remember that I poured out my love for you all.
May the Lord bless each and every one of you. May this Lord keep you and give you a portion of the love, the peace, and the grace to last through this next week until we meet again. But just because we're not together, we are still neighbors. And we are still family. So remember these words, God, love, and grace. And share them with somebody this week. Maybe someone who wouldn't expect it. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.